carrying on our series uh, based on the book Gentle and Lowly to explore the heart of Jesus for us and uh, his love and compassion and grace towards us. So if you've got a Bible and you want to turn to Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. And we're going to unpack why we can be so bold and confident that his love will never change. That he actually is never ashamed of you and uh, he's not disappointed with you. And nothing can get in the way of him deeply loving you. And my prayer is today, Holy Spirit, would give us such an encouraging encounter in our hearts that we would just know because we know because we know that you are deeply loved and prized by Jesus this morning, by God this morning, by the Holy Spirit this morning. See, how we relate to the Father, to God, moment by moment, really reveals what we really, really believe. You know, we, we might put on paper, um, yeah, God really loves me, God's never disappointed with me, God's not ashamed of me, nothing can separate me from his love. And we can kind of write that on paper, and if we were to ask one another, we'd say, yeah, I, I believe those things. But deep down, under the surface, we kind of believe that God's love is infected with a kind of disappointment. So we can write on paper what we think we should believe, but what we really believe when, is that God's disappointed with us. And what I want to unpack is that God's love is so different from human kinds of love. And so I'm going to read these verses and we're going to unpack them. Chapter 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, and we can put our own, when I was still powerless, when we were still powerless, Christ died for <coughs> the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a, a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified. Now, justified is kind of a word we never really use, do we? But it, it's a legal term. It's Another way of saying it is... It's the standing before God just as if you had never sinned. It's to be completely right and righteous. Since we have now been justified by his blood, that's the blood of the cross, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Now, here's, this is the logic of the whole verse. For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Reconciliation. So, the main purpose of this little section of the Bible is this. Paul, the writer, wants us to have a crystal clear view and he wants to put the love of God beyond 
any doubt or beyond any question in our hearts. And the logic of this section of the Bible is this. If he loved us then, he will love us now. So that's the logic of this section of the Bible. And uh, it's an amazing piece of, of, of scripture. It's worth reading the whole chapter. It's worth reading chapter 6. It's worth going into chapter 7. Because it just unpacks all this amazing stuff. This is the, and, and this is not a statement about our lives before Christ. In the sense of um, not all of our lives were a mess. But in terms of our life with God, we were a mess. We were a mess. And this bit of the Bible says we were these things. It says before Jesus saved us, we were weak and we were powerless and we were utterly helpless and we were without strength. That's chapter 5 and verse 6. So what Paul is saying there is that in terms of being in a right relationship with God, where we could call him Father, where we were in a position of of enjoying him we were weak we were powerless we were utterly helpless we were without strength there was nothing in the universe that we could do to get with God it also says that we were sinners that we were rebellious um, you can kind of Romans chapter 7 goes to tell us a little bit about how we know we're rebellious have you ever seen a don't play on the grass sign and it says no ball games on the grass and that provokes in you whose grass is this anyway and who's going to tell me what to do if I want to play on the grass I'll play on the grass there's something in us that gets provoked by rules and regulations but it brings out a rebelliousness and it also says in that thing of 510 we were enemies so we were utterly disinterested in God going in the opposite direction to God and the logic of these verses is this if he wasn't distant then yeah if he didn't hold back then when we were weak and powerless and fragile and mess and rebellious and enemies if he didn't hold back then when we had zero interest in him whatsoever i mean i don't know about you but before I had an encounter with Jesus where I knew he was real by the Holy Spirit. I had zero interest in him whatsoever. I never woke up and thought, how can I please God? I never considered a life of what would be serving God. I never considered once his ways or what he wanted. Not once. I was given a Gideon Bible when I was 11 and I never looked at it. I've actually still got it, but I never opened it once. I never inquired within the pages of who is Jesus and what does Jesus desire. I was disinterested, zero passion for him. In fact, I was cold towards him. Apart from every now and then, I would have an intellectual question with a friend. Do you think God exists? Your friend would say, no, I don't. I'm not sure myself either. And that would be the end of the conversation. I, had, I was unbothered about God. So what am I worried about now if when I was in that state... He loved me. <laughs> if he loved me in my unbothered, cold, disinterested, rebellious state, what am I worried about now? What are you worried about now? God took the initiative. God took the initiative. 
We didn't meet God halfway. And you might say, but in my story, I did this. And in my story, I, I took some steps. And in my story, I, 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 I inquired. I might have done an alpha. Let me tell you this. If it, if it was not for the Holy Spirit working in your heart, you wouldn't have inquired. You wouldn't have gone on an alpha. You wouldn't have looked at the Bible. You wouldn't have gone to church. You wouldn't be here today unless Holy Spirit was drawing you because in our heart of hearts we're rebellious disinterested wanting to be disengaged with god that's the state of the human heart yeah. and actually men and women are made in the image of god and that's why beautiful things can happen through men and women who don't even know god because they're still made in the image of god they create they, they have innovation they bring medical breakthrough but being made in the image of God and being a lover of God are not the same thing. Becoming a lover of God, becoming a son or daughter of God, becoming someone who wants to please God is a work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How do I know that? Because the Bible says, actually, since you were dead. <laughs> I don't know about you, dead people don't do a lot. <laughs> we needed a resurrection. We needed a supernatural activity of God. And so everything that we have spiritually is because God took the initiative we didn't meet him halfway. So how much more now, verse 11 says that we've received reconciliation, how much more now, since we're friends and sons and daughters, are we always going to be loved? Another way of saying it, or turning it slightly around, is this. Jesus didn't wait for you and me to get strong and to get ready. Jesus didn't look at our lives and said, hey, when you overcome this and this and this and this and get a bit stronger, I'll meet with you. Yeah, he didn't say, here's a set of rules. And when you've started to do those rules, I'll meet you. He didn't die for us once we'd started to overcome. It says, uh, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. When we're in our worst condition... When we're dead, rebellious, enemies, zero interest, and unbothered about him. He didn't look at the world and think, wow, humanity is evolving in its morality. It's now more godly than it used to be. This is the right time, Father, for me to die because they're moving towards us. Now, he didn't wait for us to overcome. He came when we were dead. And he didn't wait until we became more friendly towards him. He came to us when we're weak, when we're rebellious, and when we're enemies. So not watering down his love is so important all the time. It's a people who know they're loved and that God loves them and is never disappointed with them and that his love could never become cold. That gives people, gives you and me, boldness as we're walking through life. That we know because we know I am loved. And this love has nothing to do with my performance. That's important all the time. When you're out in the world and you're thinking there's, a, there's someone who's sick. And you're thinking I want to pray that Jesus heals them. In that little moment you can hear a little voice that says who do you think you are to love or to, to, to believe that Jesus will heal through you because you've not performed perfectly. To that you can say, if he loved me then, I know he loves me now. <laughs> I'm confident of this. So yeah, I'm going to step out in faith and pray for the sick. 
I'm never, ever, ever, um, there's no condemnation for me. But this is the time, there's another kind of time when we have to put the love of God beyond all question. And that's when the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and begins to whisper in our ear, hey, the way that you're thinking, or some of that behaviour, or that attitude, or that thing you said you would do and you didn't do, I, I want to look at that. Now, most of our lives, listen, I'm not going to put a percentage on it, but I think a joyful percentage of it would be, let's spend 95, 96, 90% of our life, 96, 97% of our lives enjoying the wonder of love. Yeah? And, but let's say there's 3% of our life where Holy Spirit comes alongside and says, that thought, that behaviour, that action, that attitude, that thing you didn't do, I want to work on that with you. It's in that moment we really do need to be assured that if he loved me then, he'll love me now. Yeah. If he loved me at my worst, what am I worried about now? Because sometimes what happens in that, those moments where we know we want to make an adjustment, we, we, what the Bible might call changing our mind, uh, the, changing the spirit of our mind, changing our thinking, renewing our mind, in those moments where Holy Spirit brings along something, we don't want to go into, I'm going to really feel bad about myself, because the power of transformation is encountering God. So we don't want anything in our heart to make us think I've got to back off from him. When we're in those moments where we want to deal with something, we want to run to him and know that he'll love us. But to stay really close in our relationship with God, we have to be fully persuaded and convinced that the consequences for everything is already being paid. We have to be assured in our minds that there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Nothing in my past, nothing in my future, nothing today, nothing can ever separate me from the love of God. That everything needed for you and I to have a confident relationship with God every single day of the week has already been achieved through what Jesus has done, through Jesus' coming, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, through his glorification. Everything has already been achieved. The wonderful thing is this, that the hardest part has already been accomplished and it's already done. It's already been finished. So our position then is to be assured persuaded and fully convinced that if he loved me then, he'll love me now. If he loved me then, he'll love me now. He refused to hold anything back from me then, he won't now. It's impossible for him. I want to say that for the believer what we get as a Christian isn't just a fresh start. It's an uninterruptible relationship with God. It's not just a question of being forgiven. It's, it's to have a relationship that nothing, not even you and me, can get in between of his heart. He has decided to love us. I love the phrase in the book, gentle and lowly, he has invincibilised our future. That means that our future with him 
nothing ever can interrupt it and spoil it and destroy it. And another thought that really gripped me was that the quality and the depth and the passion and the zeal of his love will not be more when we're in heaven. It's not, gonna, it's not that when we meet him, he'll love us deeper. The passion of his love is red hot right now and it's not gonna get any hotter. What the future brings, the promise of the future is a resurrection body to be like his body. So right now, for you and me, it's slightly frustrating. We have these beautiful tastes of moments with God, like the way Sinead led us in worship. And we're just aware of Jesus. And, we're, 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 and then we're oh, with we're, <laughs> this body. And we just go about our lives. What's the future is this unimaginable encounter and awareness of him. But his love is not going to get greater. So I want you to sing that in. Comparison, performance, perfectionism, striving, legalism, a sin-conscious mindset that's always fixated on what needs fixing. I know all about that. I've done that for a while. All those things get in the way of understanding the depth and the passion and the zeal and the heart of Jesus. He loves you now, not the improved version of you, not the more fruitful version of you, not the one who overcomes more often than you do right now. Not the version of you that's more bold and passionate to share the good news about Jesus. You, now, absolutely, categorically, if he loved you then, when you're at your worst, he'll love you now, that you're absolutely at your best. You're righteous, you're holy, you're justified. You've got a new nature, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're reconciled. Your friends, not enemies. You've got the power of God in you, so you're not weak. You are deeply, deeply loved.